Well, Jim said something that, I don't know if it was original Jim or not, I don't know if he just came up with on the spot, but I loved it. It was re- really kind of eye-opening to me, if you will. Uh, he said, I want you to, as we're singing praise to God, I want you to, to examine your heart and then tell your heart to tell your face that you believe this. Now, how many times do we sit here in a church and we, we listen to the words, but our face doesn't show it, right? Now, I don't want you to fake it. I think Jim had it exactly right. Don't just put a smile on your face this morning, but ask your heart. Examine your heart. Do you believe the words we've sung? Do you believe the words we're about to read in God's Word? And if so, remind your face that you believe them. Now, next week we're actually going to be talking about this, so I kind of got ahead of myself. Jim, got a, you got ahead of me a little bit, because next week's sermon is going to be a little bit about that, about how Christians should act what we should look like, and and how we should carry ourselves, and how often we fall short of that. This morning, I want to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. And instead of looking at how Christians should look or how they should act, I want to maybe look at how unbelievers look and how unbelievers act. Now, I know that nobody in here would possibly think about being an unbeliever. Can I say? I know that's a lie. I know without the shadow of a doubt that there is not a Sunday that goes by that we don't have someone sitting in here this morning that needs to hear the gospel message and respond to it. And my prayer is this morning that as the word is shared, that you would hear from God and that you would respond to God. There's several reasons why I want to look at kind of a a peek into an unbeliever's thought process the first is to remind ourselves if you are a believer what you once were sometimes we forget i wonder this morning how many of you all have been a christian for at least 10 years right been a christian for at least 10 years there's a lot in here right i won't ask you to raise your hand if you've been a believer for at least 70 years i know some of you can raise your hand on that and i won't make you call that out there's a lot of us who have been christians for a long time and we forget We forget what it's like. We forget our mindset before Christ. There are many, many in here who thankfully, praise God, were believers at a very, very young age. And so for them, they can't really remember at all what it's like not to have faith and trust in Christ. I want to remind us this morning not to be so judgmental to forget what it's like to be apart from Christ. Secondly, my hope and my prayer is that it would be a spur towards evangelism. That we, would, that we would have a renewed desire to share faith in Christ with those who don't know Him. And then third, I, I hope and pray that someone this morning would resonate with this picture that Scripture paints and cry out to the Lord, God, I need to trust You as Savior. This morning's message is entitled, The Hidden Gospel. And so we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians. You can turn there, and we'll be there in just a second. The the title is Thought-Provoking on Purpose. Some of you all are trying to figure out if there is a hidden gospel. This is not a a, uh, a secret, Gnostic-type unlocking of something you didn't know before. If you are a believer in Christ, the gospel is not hidden to you. This is not an Easter egg hunt, like we can go through the the Da Vinci Code and and unlock something magical in the Bible. No, that's not how the gospel works. This is instead a reminder that those without Christ do not accept and do not respond to the gospel 
the way those who are in Christ do. And Paul is going to tell us it's actually hidden or veiled from them. Let's read about this, because this is kind of some deep things to think about, but so important. It's theologically rich, and yet it's something that Paul is teaching the Corinthian church as new or baby Christians. It's important for us to realize this truth about the gospel. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 6, and read through verse 16. Paul writes, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So just to start off with, Paul is talking to you, to the church in Corinth the way I'm talking to you. Those of you who are mature, we want to give you wisdom. Anybody in here want to claim maturity this morning? Good news. This is also for those of you who are very immature, okay? This is for those of you who are in Christ. We give you a spiritual wisdom. Verse 7. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom, that's where I get the title of this message from, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our own glory, that is our own salvation. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear had heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, no human being can understand this apart from God. These things God has revealed to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That is, we who are in Christ have received the Spirit from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths for those who are spiritual. This is a key verse this morning. Verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand him because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but himself is judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. As Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, he writes this confusing section that many of us will read and maybe even push back on. What he writes is that we, those in Christ, have received a supernatural ability to know Jesus Christ and know the gospel. But he takes it a step further in what I think a lot of us want to push back on, but we need to read and study carefully, that there are people apart from Christ who have have maybe heard the gospel, maybe heard the truth of God's word, but it has been hidden from them. I think our key verse this morning, kind of emphasized it earlier, is verse 14. If if you're going to memorize a verse from this morning's message, this is a good one as a reminder, and we'll, we'll unpack it, as a reminder of God's grace to you. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
what we find is the natural, that is, not the spiritual, but the person apart from God, that person cannot, does not accept the Spirit of God. Their foolishness and folly. And listen to this, he's not able to understand them. It's not that he doesn't want to understand them. Paul says he is not able because they are hidden from him. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. The gospel is hidden to unbelievers. The gospel is hidden to unbelievers. Now, that does not mean it's not available to them. Let's clarify that. That does not mean that that it is not openly preached. It certainly is. That does not even mean that they cannot eventually see the revelation of the gospel. But as we're talking to people who are not in Christ... I think it strikes great pity in my heart, great compassion in my heart to remember that they're not accepting of the things of God because, as Paul wrote, they cannot. It's hidden from them. In case you're pushing back on this just a little bit, let's look at this passage again, just a few verses. Look at verses 7 and 8. Paul says, We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. These are not my words. These are the words of God. We're giving you a secret and hidden wisdom which God decreed before the ages for our glory. In other words, for our salvation. This secret wisdom is the saving power of the gospel. Verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. This is important to realize that that Paul's saying this practically is how it works. Look at the, the people who crucified Jesus Christ. Look at the Roman soldiers. Look at the Jewish leaders. Look at all those who were surrounding the events of the death of Christ. They could not understand the spiritual things of God. He even writes, had they understood it, they would not have crucified him. They were blinded. The message was hidden. It was was not something that they could possibly fathom or understand. Now, in case you're wondering if if Paul's kind of going out on a limb here, he's not. As a matter of fact, all through the book of 1 Corinthians, he he builds on this idea of of unbelievers looking at Christianity as folly or foolishness. In chapter 1, verse 18, it says, The word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Later on in, in 2 Corinthians, and this verse isn't up on your screen, but, but you can kind of make note that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells the people that, that each of us are living testimonies about what God has done. And he describes it this way. He says, you're walking and you're giving off an aroma. Right? I, I used to do a message on 2 Corinthians 2 called, How Bad Do You Stink? Right? Are you giving off the aroma of Christ? Paul says every believer is giving off an aroma of Christ. And here's how he describes it. To those who are living, it's the the aroma of life. But to those who are perishing apart from Christ, it's an aroma of death. The sweet smell of the gospel stinks to an unbeliever. It's hidden so that they cannot possibly understand it. It's not just Paul who writes this. Paul writes this because Jesus taught this. What a good question in our small group this morning. After Jesus does this miraculous thing, he, he looks at the disciples and, and he reveals himself as a Christ, and then he says, but, but don't tell anybody about it. Right? 
You know how many times in the Gospels Jesus does something that reveals himself and looks at the apostles, looks at the disciples and says, keep this to yourself. Keep it hidden. Jesus specifically, when he speaks in parables, does so for the purpose of hiding some truths to people who will not understand. As a matter of fact, it's exactly what we read in Mark chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Jesus says to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Why? So that, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. As we read the Gospels, do you realize Jesus spoke in parables partly so that he would conceal the Gospel message from those who are not believers? This is a hard truth to accept, isn't it? This is difficult for us. But here's what it should spur you to. It should spur you to compassion. For those who are apart from Christ cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. The Gospel is hidden to unbelievers. So, of course, that leads us to the question, is all hopeless then? Can no one come to the Gospel of Jesus Christ? How is it you can go from from having the Gospel hidden from your eyes to having it understood and received? And what we find, Paul teaching the church in Corinth, and oh, this is so glorious, is that the Gospel is revealed through His Holy Spirit. There comes a point in time in a person's life when the Holy Spirit speaks to them and their their eyes are opened and they're able to perceive this hidden gospel. Paul literally experienced this on his way to Damascus. Before his, his name was called Paul, he was a man named Saul who persecuted Christians and saw to it that they were put to death. He hated the gospel. It was foolishness and folly to him. And as he's walking from from one place to another, God blinds him physically so that he cannot see physically. And he speaks to him and leads him to a saving faith. And, And as Paul accepts the gospel message, it says something like scales fell off of his eyes. In other words, he was able to physically see again. Don't lose sight of the fact that this is a picture of what happens when we accept Christ. We spiritually are able to see what we previously were unable to see. Praise be to God that He sends His Spirit to reveal what is confusing. The truth is, you and I would not be believers in Christ had it not been for the work of the Holy Spirit to make known the Gospel to us. The Holy Spirit reveals the gospel. This is exactly what Paul writes in in chapter 2, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Paul says, you know the things that natural man doesn't know because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you ever get puffed up as a Christian and think you know everything there is to know or you're at a higher plane or a higher level or or somehow you've achieved something that others cannot achieve, can you remember that you did not receive the gospel on your own? Can you remember that it's the Holy Spirit who revealed it to you so that you have no boasting? 
verse 12, it says again, Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we might understand the things freely given by God. It's the Spirit who reveals things to us. In case you're wondering if Paul is making this up or out on a limb, can we look at what Jesus teaches us in the Gospels? In John chapter 14, verse 17, when Jesus says he's sending a spirit, he says it's even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. There it is again. Those in the flesh cannot understand because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Can we rejoice this morning that God has revealed Himself to us in a way that we could not possibly understand? Can we just take a minute and and recognize how much God loves us? That He would take what is impossible for us to know and show it to us and give us the truth of saving power in Christ. The gospel is revealed through His Holy Spirit. I think if I'm putting any application at all this morning, and there's several points that we'll close with here in a moment, but one very important one for us to remember is that when we, we have received the gospel and we understand what God has done for us, when we know that, that we are sinners and God has paid the price for our sin, when we know He's taken us from death and made us alive, when we understand that, let us not look at a lost world with judgmental eyes as if to to be baffled or confused, they would not live the way God calls them to live. Can we recognize this morning that lost people act lost? It shouldn't surprise us when we see a lost culture doing things that a lost culture by nature would do. It's it's really obvious to me that that if you, you see a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? You've heard that phrase before. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, that's what it is. You can visually see it. Some of you know that, that Josiah has been growing in his vocabulary over the last month or so. It really started with animal noises. Josiah learned very early on that if, if we say an animal, that animal always makes this sound. That's what you would expect a duck to do. Remember, I've got a, a brief video of him showing off his knowledge of what animal sounds, uh, what different animals sound like. See if this plays this morning. Hey, Josiah. Josiah, what's a dog say? No. Huh? Woo, woo. No. Dog, yeah. What about, um, <laughs> what about a duck? Uh, uh. Quack, quack. <laughs> what does a... Uh, cat say? What's a cat say? What about a cow? What's a cow say? Do you know what a pig says? What's a pig say? That's your eyes, buddy. Hey, what does a pig say? Does a pig say oink oink? You're impressed with that, aren't you? Oh, Where's mama? Yeah, there she is. Hey, get your finger out of your nose, bud. What's a pig say? What's a pig say? Oink. What's a cat say? What's a dog say? What's a cow? What's a cow say? What's a duck say? Josiah has learned very early on, a duck says quack and a dog says woof. And 
And you see a dog acts like a dog. And in the video, what I love is you see that Josiah acts like Josiah. He acts like a two-year-old. That's why his finger goes up the nose. Incredibly good-looking toddlers check themselves out in the mirror and make funny faces. That's what they do, right? He's learning. If an animal is this, it does that, right? We're working on another one with him. We're going to say, what does an Illini fan say? And he's going to go, wah, wah. We're working on it. We're trying, okay? Here's the point. We understand that certain characteristics belong to certain animals or, or things or objects or people or, or whatever it may be. And yet somehow we forget that a world that is blinded from the things of God. Sometimes we forget that a world who, who doesn't understand, comprehend, care about, or love the things in Scripture. Sometimes we forget that that their nature and how they act is contrary to the things of the Word of God. Can we just take a moment and remind ourselves that we should not be surprised at our culture? We shouldn't. A lost culture should act lost. We shouldn't be surprised by unbelievers doing things that unbelievers do. Now, should we be heartbroken? Yes. Should we have compassion? Yes. Should we desire to share the gospel with them so they know the truth of God's word? Absolutely. But it is their very nature. And let us remind ourselves, it was our very nature that led us to act the way that we did. That's why our key verse this morning, let it dwell into your mind, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. I'm heartbroken for a culture and a world that is departed from from God's word. But departed is not the right word, is it? Because apart from Christ, they were never there. I'm broken for, for friends of mine who are living in obvious, blatant sin. Apart from Christ, I have pity and compassion and I want to see them know the word of God. But let us not be surprised. Lost people will always act like lost people. And our goal is not to change their behavior. Jesus' goal was never to save people from the way they acted. That would come, but his primary mission was not to to do behavior modification. It was to do heart surgery. There's a woman that Hannah has has kind of sent me several articles on named Rosaria Butterfield. And she was a a woman who in the late 80s and early 90s was a very uh, avid um, homosexual professor, a tenured professor, a woman who was very blatantly defying anything that Scripture had to say. And in her testimony, she will over and over again share how she hated the things of God. She was blinded to the gospel. She didn't understand it, and she'll use those exact words. But through the testimony of some others and through the the revelation of God's word, the Spirit opened her eyes and changed her heart as a young woman. And she became a believer in Jesus Christ. Today, she's she's married to a man who is a, a pastor of a church. She's heavily involved in speaking the gospel message to women all over the country through the things she writes and the words that she says. I love this 
this quote from her in an article. It says, To be clear, I was not converted out of homosexuality. I was converted out of unbelief. I didn't swap out a lifestyle. I died to a life that I loved. See, for her, it wasn't about behavior modification. That came. The Spirit convicted her, and she talks about that in detail. But the gospel message was was spoken to her so that she would know the truth that Jesus Christ loves her, that he died for her, that he wants to have a relationship with her. Eventually, it comes down to, to, do I follow Christ now that this has been revealed to me? Do I submit myself to his will and his way, or do I continue living the way I want to live? The gospel makes it very clear. You cannot continue to live in sin and embrace the gospel of Christ. If you think you can, it's because you're still blinded. You must abandon your sin in order to cling to Christ. Rosaria Butterfield puts this this way. There's no goodwill between the cross and an unconverted person. The cross is ruthless. Take up your cross means you are going to die. The fact of the matter is, a lost world doesn't need to hear, change the way you live. A lost world needs to hear, God has paid the penalty for the way that you live. We must remember that a lost person will not change their behavior until they have a new heart with Christ. You and I cannot overcome sin in our life until we die to our old selves. And so long as we live blinded to the Word of God, we will continually act as if we are apart from God. As we think of some application of this this deep, hidden gospel truth, the first thing that I hope it stirs in you is a compassion, if you are a believer, a compassion for those who are without Christ. It should break your heart that the things God has graciously revealed to you have not been made known to them. And it should be your desire to see them come to know Christ. Your application in that first point is is this. Pray that God's Spirit would speak to those who do not know Him. Get on your knees and beg that the scales would fall from their eyes through the work of the Spirit so that when the Gospel is presented, they are ready to listen. Second point of application. This should motivate you, push you to go and share your faith. The number one fear to not share your faith, I I hear all the time, is is this fear of rejection. The reason why we don't share our faith is because we're scared of what people may say or what people may think. What if they don't listen to me? I hear a, a second fear is, what if I push them further away from the gospel? Can I tell you, this truth that the Holy Spirit reveals the gospel and not you gives me encouragement to go and share my faith. It reminds me of of Paul. He he approaches the city of Ephesus in the book of Acts, and he's uncertain of what to do. And God speaks to him and says, I want you to stay, because there are many that I have in this city. Think about that for a minute. God says, I've already sent the Spirit to open their eyes to know the gospel, and they're waiting for you, Paul, to go and share it. You realize that you may get rejected by some, but people are not rejecting you. But instead, think of this glorious truth in the positive light. There is someone out there 
who the Spirit is working on. Someone out there whose, whose scales are falling from their eyes and God is looking at you saying, if you'll open your mouth and share the gospel, I've already done the work. Go and share. Talk. Because somebody is waiting to hear that message. This point of application should, should push us to not just know the Lord, but to share the Lord because somebody is prepared to hear it. And finally, and most importantly, Maybe this morning you're, you're recognizing that you have been blinded your entire life to the gospel. You thought you've had to change the way you act and clean yourself up. You've got in your head that, that the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness because they don't work. I tell you this morning, your point of application is to, to allow the Spirit to remove the scales from your eyes. Listen to the saving power of Jesus Christ. That although we have sin and immorality in our life, God loves us anyways. So much so that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die so you don't have to. And instead of paying for your sins, those sins are nailed to the cross. This morning, the point of application is, let the Holy Spirit move in your life. Welcome that gospel message that Jesus died for you. Embrace and accept that this morning. Let the gospel be hidden no longer. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing truth that your grace extends to us, even when we cannot understand it and when we feel like the gospel is foolishness. Father, let that strike compassion in our hearts for those who don't know you. Lord, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Or they, they need to hear the gospel message and, and they need your spirit to speak truth to them. Father, let it embolden us to share our faith. Or let it motivate us, knowing that you are working in the hearts of people if we'll just be obedient to go and share. And Father, we pray this morning that you would drop the scales from our eyes. Lord, let us no longer look at the gospel as foolishness, but let us look at it as the power of God to save that our sins can be forgiven, that our, our wicked deeds, our immorality is paid for on the cross of Christ. Lord, let us embrace that. Let us submit to you as the, the one who forgives our sin. And then, Lord, let us fall to you and ask you to show us how you have us live from this moment on. Lord, remove the scales. Make your gospel known. It's in your name we pray. Amen.